It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 120, The Temple of Jerusalem Shiskau, an Egyptian spice merchant, heard great sounds of trumpet blast all day long from the heights of Jerusalem. Each time he heard the blast, an elation and expectation leaped his heart, causing great curiosity to overwhelm him, for no foreigner or even the king's wives were able to approach the temple. It was only for those of Israel and specifically their priest This God of Israel, this temple, and the great sacrifices were for him alone and his people. Shiskau looked up at the huge temple upon the hilltop as the sun sprayed a magnificent reflection off the golden doors half a mile away. It was as if light emanated from the structure. He marveled at the simplicity of it and compared it mentally to his nation's obelisk. Those monuments covered with gold and silver but they paled in comparison to the city on a hill. Shiskau, he heard his name and turned around. It's amazing, isn't it? Shiskau shook his head, confirming this statement by Parava, an Moabite merchant who he had befriended. Too bad we cannot get closer. I agree, Shiskau said in reverence. I would forgo my entire inheritance just to behold its glory. Paravai smiled, walking closer to his friend, who seemed spellbound by only the reflection of the sun upon its doors, whose hammered gold reflected sunlight from the carvings of palms, flowers, and cherubs. Have you heard about the inside? No, my friend. What is it like? All I can do is repeat what I've heard, and you can determine if it is true on your own. Who told you? The story comes down from the princess herself. After hearing she could not worship there and could have nothing to do with it, her only consolation was to see the plans of the temple from the great king himself. Only the plans? The king said. This will be the closest you ever get to the temple, unless you choose to worship God and God alone. She refused to worship only Solomon's God. But here is what she passed on. Imagine all the gold that David took from the kings of the north and the east, and all the gold accumulated by David. Tons and tons of talents of gold. On the outside, only the carvings on the door are of hammered gold, but the inside is entirely made of quarried stone, covered by cedar, and then covered from floor to ceiling with gold. The entirety of the internal structure is gold, The gold is flattened into a mirror-like reflection, and when the light comes upon the windows, the room is overcome with such a sheer reverberation of light that any and all instantly worship God. Combine this with the sheer presence of God which rests upon the Ark of the Covenant, which is upon the stairs at the end of the sanctuary, behind golden folding doors between two huge carved angelic creatures that are made of gold, and one can only be overcome. At this moment, clouds covered the sunlight, which cast a darker shade upon the landscape, which assisted Shiskau 
to make out the carved images upon the doors better. He examined the elaborate cherubs, palms, and open flowers as he listened to Parava. This is what the queen said that Solomon told her. Of course, judge it for yourself. It's been passed on from person to person until it arrived at myself. That the inner sanctuary is designed to be the holiest place on the planet, the brightest, most expensive place on earth, most glorious place to behold in one's entire life. Nothing on earth can compare to the glory inside this temple. And just as quickly as the cloud cover came, it dissipated, revealing the same glorious light of before, and the powerful reflection upon the golden doors of the temple caused Shiskal to blink as Paravah continued. For Solomon said gold, the most expensive and valuable of all the elements on the planet, refined and purified, reflects the greatest glory of heaven on earth known to man. No greater majestic place could man construct for the Lord of glory than a room of purest gold. Alright, so what you just heard was a fictional representation created with two fictional characters to try to paint the picture of the temple and its impact on those in Jerusalem. I hope you get the glimpse of the grandeur of the temple and its projection of God's glory on earth. Instead of reading the extensive write-up on the temple directly from the Bible, I'm going to try to describe it in short fashion, emphasizing a few areas of significance. Alright, by our standards, the temple was not very large. It was over three stories high, rectangle, with two side structures three stories high as well on the sides. These were attached for Levitical working spaces and Israel's treasury. The main structure had narrow windows high up in the sides. It was 90 feet deep, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. The structure was made with perfectly chiseled stone designed to fit together with no hammer, chisel, or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. The temple faced the south, overlooking the city upon the mount on which it stood. White stone covered the entire structure, and the huge doors were covered in cherubs, open flowers, and palm trees. On the juniper wood doors, these carvings were covered in hammered gold. The weight of this gold was so great that later in Israel's history, this gold was scraped off the front of the doors and given to a foreign nation as payment to not attack Israel. Inside the main structure, or holy place, the stone walls were covered in cedar boards from Lebanon. The floor had juniper wood planks, and every inch of the interior walls, floor, and ceiling were covered in gold sheets. Funny enough, all the effort to cover the walls with cedar and juniper from Lebanon was only covered with gold sheeting. The main sanctuary, or holy place, most likely had steps to a higher place at the end of the hall, which would have been considered the Holy of Holies, which had gold-covered olive wood screen doors, and the ancient veil was probably there, separating the Holy of Holies from the regular holy place. And the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant, which was made of gold, of course, on either side of the ark was huge gold-covered cherubs. 
This all took Solomon seven years to build. In addition, there was all the temple furnishings, which were of gold, silver, and bronze. There was two columns at the front door, which rose three stories high, named Jacob and Boaz. The capitals on the columns were lilies, which is probably why Josephus called them Corinthian columns. The Bible says that there was a man named Hiram, whose mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was from Tyre, and a skilled craftsman in bronze. Hiram was filled with wisdom, with understanding, and with knowledge to do all kinds of bronze work. Sounds a bit like the guy who was filled with the Spirit in Moses' day to build the ark. Hiram would go on to build a huge sea or bowl of cast metal 15 feet wide, for cleansing and sacrifices. Under the huge bowl was 12 bulls. The Bible says it could hold 10,000 bass. Then there was 10 movable stands upon bronze wheeled carts. You get the feel there was preparations for extreme quantities of sacrifices to be conducted daily. Then there was the pots, the shovels, the sprinkling bowls, each of bronze. And we can't forget Solomon also built a golden altar a golden table, which held the bread of the presence, and then there was ten lampstands of pure gold, pure gold basins, wick trimmers, sprinkling bowls, dishes, and censers, and the gold sockets for the doors in the innermost room. You get the feel. The entire place was gold, silver, bronze. Everything was of precious metals. It doesn't mention, but you get the feel the door hinges were covered in gold. The doorknobs were of gold. To the point, even if it was today, even the toilet paper dispenser would have been gold. Everything was of gold or precious metals. Even in the side rooms for the Levites, the dedicated treasuries of David were stored. It was both the temple and treasury, which was common in its day. And honestly, when I consider the temple and what it was like, the outside architecture is okay. I mean, really, it doesn't compare to too much of today's architecture due to its size. And there was no startling architectural design apparent on the outside. Don't get me wrong, the gold-hammered artistry on the doors must have been incredible, but it was the inside of the temple and what it housed that floors me. First of all, the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant was God's place on earth. This alone is enough. But let's talk about the inside of the temple. Try to picture with me Fort Knox or something like it that has over billions of dollars in gold with thousands and thousands of gold bars. Now let's melt these down, these gold bars, into a liquid molten gold and refine it and take out anything that's not even close to perfectly pure. And now pour it out and turn it into sheets of gold so perfectly refined that you can nearly see your reflection and cover the floors, the walls, the ceiling. And when natural and supernatural light floods the temple, the senses are overwhelmed. To conclude this episode, a message to Kings. Let's get back to the beginning of our account and how two fictional businessmen spoke of the temple and its incredible, valuable, and distinct architecture and its spiritual and physical impact upon them. For a witness, please see the album artwork or the podcast artwork for this episode, and I'll try to copy the picture to Facebook as well. There's something to the Temple of Jerusalem that just amazes me. Just like the tabernacle, there was three distinct parts to the temple. 
the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. In the tabernacle episode, we covered how the three distinct parts of the tabernacle represent many different things. And one of these was the tabernacle, now the temple, represents the three parts of a man or a woman with a body, soul, and spirit. I'm going to take this further since we covered the amazingness of the inside of the temple and discuss how this impacts you and I as believers in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Let's start with the outside. Our flesh is the outer court, the place that is exposed to the world and winds and storms of life. Our flesh can have a heart of stone and can be hard-hearted. It can be tall and hard to get through. It can be stubborn and robust and hard to get through. It's exposed to windstorm, daily dusting of debris, and accumulations of dirt, rain, hail, sleet, and all sorts of outside interference. This is our flesh, our body. This is our mortal body, which is exposed to the outside temptations and arrows of the enemy, inviting us into lies and deceit and temptations of the devil. But this flesh and this body has two doors that open wide to our soul and eventually the holy place. I've heard a lot of definitions of the soul, and they can get really spiritual and sometimes really weird. And when people talk too much about the soul, I get kind of weirded out. So the best definition I can find is the soul is the unseen parts of a man or woman. The soul is our mind, will, heart, and emotions. These are the inner workings of you and me. In the soul, there's a connection to the holy of holies, our spirit. But also there's a door to the flesh. It's the first steps into the temple. It's the immediate area inside the temple. The flesh and dirt of the world wants to get inside the doors, while the glorious light of the Holy of Holies wants to break into the inner man, soul, or holy place. There is windows to the outside which peer out, but they also keep out. But too much desiring to see the flesh and the outside and yearning for the outside can be harmful to the soul. But the final place is the spirit of a man. This is what separates man from animals. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. It is the spirit of man that is connected with either darkness or light. The picture of the temple of Jerusalem is a picture of one of the most expensive structures ever built. Not because of its outside appearance or architecture, but the purity of gold and precious objects flooding and filling its interior. The perfect and pure gold represents the glory of God, cherubs, his angels, and the ark of his presence. In the new covenant, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, comes and dwells within believers. For Paul stated these astounding words that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the perfect purity of God, the Holy Spirit, is connected and rest assured in the presence of God. Upon the point of salvation, your spirit invites in God's Spirit, who dwells within you. It's absolutely amazing, and it is a mystery. Solomon actually speaks of it, and Apostle John provides clarity. Ecclesiastes 3.10 I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, 
Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. John 3:38. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. The word innermost, from the Greek, means whole or empty place. It's often translated belly or womb. In John 7, Jesus is described a spiritual empty place in the heart of man, not a physical belly or womb. This empty place is a source of thirst and divine solution to this hunger, thirst, is to be filled with the living water from the Holy Spirit. No longer should we struggle with sin and the outside filth of the outer court and count on daily sacrifices to keep us covered, but we should fling wide those olive doors and flood the holy place with the light of God's presence and authority and walk out in the gold-hammered doors and fling them wide, invite not the dirt of the outside word, but project out the dazzling light of God's presence and power and glory, so that those outside in the world, like Shishkau and Perava, at the beginning of the episode, marvel and worship at the light that's coming from the city on a hill. And as believers in Jesus... We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we should fling wide our hearts to God's presence and glory and open the golden doors to those around us and declare to the world, Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we see the grand opening of the temple and Solomon's famous declaration. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.